Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You are watching another episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. And today, as promised, we're going to continue our review of the ACC and the ACC teams. And today we get North Carolina, UNC, the Tar Heels from Chapel Hill. Uh, They had a bunch of news recently that just came out. Not a bunch of news, but some really good news that they nailed the Petromala brothers, Nick and Dom Petro uh, announced uh, last week or the week before that they were both heading to North Carolina. So the as we had said last week, the arms race in the ACC continues, but they're not coming until 2022. I think they might not even graduate until 2022. So that's that's future future news. What we want to talk about is the outlook for the 2021 season amidst all this COVID crap. So we're going to talk about UNC and their prospects for the 2021 season here in this episode. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Just hit that like button blindly. That's the easiest way you can help us, and it, it takes virtually no effort unless you're really lazy or you really despise me, at which point, hey, man, hit the hit the uh, hit the thumb down button in that case. But uh, yeah, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. You can go to laxfactor.com, get swag, support the podcast. That way you can listen to the audio version anywhere you get podcasts, but it lives at anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor. So that is the, the basics of what I have to get out of the way. You can also get these hats at laxfactor.com if you wanted to. Um, so let's get into it now. First things first, North Carolina, uh, last year, everybody was all pumped because they picked up the biggest transfer in the in, of the year that year, Chris Gray. Chris Gray came from uh, Boston, Boston U. I think it was Boston U. I always forget. I believe he was a Terrier, but uh, and he tore it up there. I think he had a, 111 points as a sophomore at Boston U. Was uh, Tewart, you know, what Tewart and candidate all year. Just a, a, a really, really solid attackman that anybody in the country would have loved to have had on their roster. North Carolina picks them up. And what we, one thing that I was kind of wondering, and I have this in my notes to talk about later, but I'll talk about this first. One thing I was wondering was North Carolina did not have a, a high powered, high scoring offense um, in 2019. As I'm looking at my notes in 2019, they only averaged 12.4 uh, goals per game. And uh, I was wondering how that would translate. Gray is a high volume guy, takes a lot of shots, gets a lot of touches and puts up a ton of points in the process. But the, uh, the, the North Carolina offense wasn't built that way. So I was curious how they would change to, to kind of fit the flow of this player, because he obviously becomes the centerpiece of this team on, on the offensive side of the ball. And they changed it up perfectly. They go from 12 goals a game to 17 goals a game and, and change. Gray comes out as a junior in the COVID-shortened season. He goes for 27 goals, 21 helpers, 48 points overall, and he shot the ball at a 45.8% clip. That was a shooting percentage, putting almost 70% of his shots on cage. Two man-up goals, 15 GBs, 15 turnovers, but once again, when you're touching the ball as much as he does, you're dodging as much as he is, you're going to turn the ball over a little bit more. I bet you they'd like to see that number come down a little bit. But then in terms of 2021 coming back, North Carolina, that offense that started tearing it up and that started the season 7-0, and they're all back. They bring back Nicky Solomon. He was 13-16. and He was not the best shooter on the team, 35.1% shooting percentage, but he put up three man-up goals, had 11 GBs to only six turnovers. So Nicky Solomon, insanely solid. Tanner Cook, senior midfielder, He's coming back. He was he got picked up in the NLL draft, but he's coming back. 20 goals, 7 assists, 
51.3% shooting percentage, almost 70% on goal. Kid is a great step-down shooter. He can dodge downfield if you need him to, but a big boy with a cannon, accurate shot, and just a great off-ball player but can also carry. The guy can do everything. Justin Anderson, Mr. Anderson, another senior. I believe he's coming back. I believe most of the UNC seniors are coming back. Anderson, 15-7 and off that midfield with Cook. 22 points, 57.7 percent shooting percentage, 80 percent on goal out of Justin Anderson. The kid can score four man up goals, eight GBs, three turnovers, but three caused turnovers, which is is key for a midfielder that's going to turn the ball over. At least you want to see them get the ball back on a few occasions and pick up some GBs. So Anderson's huge. Uh, one thing to say on the side, it was uh, Roy Williams, Coach Williams, who put up the scholarship money for all of these seniors to return at UNC. I watched uh, on the crapper this morning, I watched a video of all the spring sport coaches thanking Coach Williams without even knowing what the bill was going to be is the story. He called the athletic director as soon as they canceled the spring season and said, if there's any chance of bringing these kids back, my wife and I want to front these scholarships. So just a, a, a great gesture uh, from a, an all-around great guy in terms of Williams. Uh, getting the putting the money up uh, to let these kids come back, and I mean that's that's three big or four big cats we talked about: Gray, Solomon, Cook, Anderson, all solid contributors, all well, you know more than solid contributors. Any and if you if you look at those three those four guys, those four guys are going to start on almost every Division One team. If you were to pop them out of UNC and put them somewhere else, there's like with Cook and Anderson uh, on a midfield line. There's only a couple of teams that those guys wouldn't be no-brainer starters if you pop them on those teams. And you go deeper, though. Alex Trippy Jr., 10 goals, 7 assists. Uh, Brian Cameron put up 10-5. and five. Will Perry, 8-4. and four. Perry's always a threat. So offensively, they bring back everybody. And then you start throwing in guys like uh, uh, grad transfer Connor McCarthy from Princeton. They also picked up uh, their only five-star recruit uh, that, that hit campus in 2020. He was the number two guy. Uh, in IL, Cole Haybear, a midfielder out of Calvert Hall, uh, played club ball for FCA Maryland, Baltimore Sun Player of the Year, accolades all around for this kid. There was some other award that he had won I wasn't sure about. Big kid, downhill dodger, R- reminds me of a, a Costabile, kind of a Costabile Dox Aiken hybrid. Uh, just a, a really good, he, he, the kid could dodge, but more importantly, the kid has great vision. He He'd put up a lot more points at Calvert Hall if he didn't play so well within the system. And the number when I watched his highlight tapes, the number of of uh, second assists that he would have had 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 he decided, you know, had he not had they counted that stat is incredible. The kid would dodge, would see the slide come and move the ball immediately down the line. And he wasn't picking up the assist. The kid that he dished to would be the one that would pick up the assist down to the attack, especially at the high school level, you get a lot of adjacent slides. So if you draw that adjacent, you hit the next guy down the row and then he's hitting the next guy down the row, almost like a, it turns into kind of like a fast break situation, but in a six on six set, the kid is great at giving the ball up, very unselfish ball player. And that's going to, I think, help him transition to the next level as well. Uh, he does, even as Calv- one of Calvert Hall's best players, if not their best player, he, he doesn't try to do too much. And when you get a kid who doesn't try to do too much and plays within himself, that, that kid's going to have an easy time stepping on the field as a freshman, sophomore, and contributing on a team that's full of stars like North Carolina. So that was uh, good news for him, picking up that guy. Um, as we go back now, and let's talk about the defensive side of the ball a little bit. We've talked about the attack and the midfielders on the offensive side. Defensively, this was everybody's big knock 
against North Carolina was that, yeah, we saw in the beginning of the 2020 season, uh, and I, I thought before the start of the 2020 season, that they were probably going to be capable of putting up some goals and running with teams. The, 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 the scarlet letter on their chests was defensively who was going to step up and be the big cats. Will Bowen was a freshman in 2019, uh, tore his ACL, I think, had a season-ending injury anyway. So he gets his red shirt freshman year in this COVID-shortened season. But in the, over the course of their first seven games, he started all seven at close D. Eight caused turnovers, led the team, 16 ground balls, two helpers, two assists, uh, so that's pretty big. Lots of potential. Is going to end up being a solid four-year starter, possibly a five-year starter with the COVID-shortened season. So the big thing to think about with Bowen, though, Bowen was already a highly touted recruit, highly touted defenseman, may have been the top defenseman in his class. I think he actually was. But the, the big deal with Bowen is he's going to be technically stepping onto the field in 2021 It'll be his third year on campus. He redshirted his first year after an injury, played well in his first actual season of being able to play in his second season on campus. He's going to be starting his third season on campus technically as a freshman from an eligibility standpoint if he decides to play it out like that. So, I mean, how many teams have a freshman that are technically juniors in terms of their education level? So look out for him because as people are, as even myself talking about, well, they have solid athletes all over the field on the defensive side of the ball, but no game stoppers. This kid could become that game stopper, and he could be he could be that kind of shutdown type defend, not necessarily a shutdown type defending defenseman, but he can anchor that defense for four years now still if he chooses to come back. So that's a big that's a big deal on the defensive side. But then you throw in, and these guys are seniors, and I'm not 100 percent sure if all of the UNC uh, UNC seniors were coming back, if these two defenders were coming back, but Cam uh, Marcy or Macri or Massery and uh, Patrick Lyons are both uh, listed as seniors. And like I said, not sure if they're coming back. If they do though, both of them started all seven games. Both of them caused six turnovers. Both of them had one assist on the season and uh, Macri or Massery, 15 ground balls, Lyons, 12 ground balls, both of them solid poles, maybe not, game changers, but both of them are heady kids. Both of them are academic All-Americans. So both very, both very capable of just depending on the year and how things roll could are very capable of just stepping in and, and playing really solid defense for this team, especially if you have an anchor like Bowen that pans out. And then that's not it. It's not just close D uh, Connor Marr or Mayhar or Mayher. I butcher dudes names, but man, admittedly, it's hard to figure out if how, how to pronounce M-A-H-E-R, but Connor Mayer, Mayhar, honorable mention All-American at the defensive midfield, a short stick midfielder. He was also all, all ACC as well, a ground ball or no, a goal, 23 ground balls and three cause turnovers. But this kid is a solid anchor uh, at the defensive midfield. So that's going to help them on the defensive side as well. And then you got their goalkeeper, Caton Johnson. Now, Johnson is a freshman. He came in and, and played a limited – I think he started six games and played in nine games in 2019 and put up a – what was it? 54.4% save percentage. People were ready to anoint him the next best goalie in the ACC – I thought there was a very good chance. The kid is an exciting player, great ball stopper, but he's a little bit streaky. And that's my only knock against Caton Johnson is he's a little bit streaky. In the shortened COVID season uh, through his first seven games, 46.2% save percentage. That's a little bit low. And he did not, he got all these preseason uh, accolades before the COVID season started and didn't end up landing any of those awards because the statistics just didn't look great. But as any goalie will tell you, in your first seven games, you're seven and zero as a goalkeeper. That's feeling making you feel pretty good and pretty confident. And then you're playing in a bunch of 
games where the margin was a little out of hand. So he was playing in a bunch of blowouts, and uh, that will sometimes cause the defense to let up a little bit. They end up giving up some some poor shots on you. So is his save percentage in 2020, was that indicative of the defense giving up uh, too many good shots? Was that indicative of them just getting, you know, beaten up on teams and the defense sometimes doesn't take things quite as seriously? Uh, we wouldn't have known. We would have had to see what happened once the ACC play started and he got into that stretch of five games against all top 15 uh, ranked opponents. So stretch of four games it would have been. Um, so we would have wanted to see him play through that to see if that steadily improved to save percentage. But at 46.2, seven games deep, it was going to be tough for him to bring that back up above 50%. Either way, though, very capable goaltender, capable of being an All-American. It just depends on the season and the defense that he has in front of them. And then you look at another very important part of the, the game in the field is uh, the faceoff dot. They've got a capable guy in Zach Tucci, uh, 58.3% at the dot in 2020, 109 of 187 won, a goal, six turnovers. Capable, not a huge scoring threat, but he does he does better than average at winning the faceoff and then getting that from the uh, uh, middle of the field into the offensive end to turn it into a possession. A lot of faceoff guys will win a bunch of faceoffs but turn the ball over more often, so he wins 109 draws overall and uh, turns the ball over six times. That's not terrible. That's actually pretty decent if your faceoff guys only is averaging less than one turnover a game because almost every faceoff guy, in, including Erlen, is going to win a draw and get spanked on his way to the box and, and turn the ball over. So that's that, that's capable hands. They're leaving the faceoff dot, and, and I think that's, that's going to help them also. Uh, let's see here. We're going to skip some of this. All right, so what – if we looked at last year, what did UNC have working and what do we think will translate and kind of move on into the 2021 season? I think uh, the one thing UNC has working uh, for them in 2021 is they're loaded offensively. Offensively, one of the best offensive units overall, you know, probably uh, I always like to look at the top uh, nine guys offensively. So I like to look at your starting three attackmen, your first midfield line that gets most of the offensive touches, and then either your second midfield line, or maybe it's just a couple of mids that get worked in with an attackman. I like to, I like to see what your top nine or 10 guys look like offensively. UNC, you can put their top 10 offensive players up against any other team, and they're going to be able to hold their own against anybody, against the best of them, Duke, Syracuse, Virginia, um, uh, Penn State even, even Penn State last year with Amat on the roster. Their offense, they are loaded all the way through with depth. Even if they were to lose uh, some of these seniors like Cook and Anderson, they were going to have guys that were going to step in and fill those roles without much of a problem at all. The fact that you get those vets back, though, even better for North Carolina. Another bright spot and a thing that I think they have working is the the optimistic outlook for a kid like Caton Johnson. I think Caton Johnson has the ability to be an All-American goalie. Uh, he is a he is a ball stopper, athletic, great hands, uh transition, you know, gets the ball from the defensive end to the offensive end very well. So I think that's also something that you can you can is a bright spot along with Bowen on the defensive side uh, as well. Um I think that the improved offense I talked about earlier, I was worried that when you bring in a guy like um, like Chris Gray, what's that going to mean for an offense that wasn't putting up and wasn't scoring at really high clips? So the fact that their offense was able to improve so drastically from 2019 
uh, to 2020 in terms of the output. That's also going to work for them. And, and you would think that Gray being the new piece to that puzzle, and now these guys have all, all been together for a year, and now they have this offseason to build more camaraderie and, and chemistry. I think that's going to – I think you might see that 17.86 goals per game number improve to 18, 19 through their first seven, depending on their schedule next year. I think what UNC lacks – is going to end up being defensive depth. It's proven defensive depth. They have athletes. As I said, they have guys that on any given year, if they just gel a certain way, they could end up being a pretty solid defense. Are they going to break into the top 20 defensively? Maybe not, but I think UNC would be, end up being happy if they could just get into the top 25, top 30 defensively with the offense that they have. In 2019, their offense was uh, 20th in the country, in goals per game in in 2020 they were fourth in the country in goals per game so if they can stay in that top five top 10 in goals per game and they can get themselves into the top 30 in uh goals against per game that's going to put them in a pretty good place and they do have the athletes and the personnel to to kind of make that work especially with all these guys coming back um with the the covid season and then we talk a little bit here about the just the big news because we're talking about the arms race an awful lot and in terms of the the ACC, so future, you know, as we we, we kind of got to talk about it if we're talking about Ace, uh, the AC, about North Carolina is uh, Dominic Petromala, five star athlete out of Boys Latin, lefty finisher. Uh, the dude picture, um, I'm trying to compare him to a, a player. He's really hard to compare because he is a lefty sniper and he will finish with his left hand, but he can die. He can do it all. So he's really a, a guy on the left that will not only anchor off ball for those righty Dodgers that come up the side, but he can also dodge and create from anywhere on the field. You can put him at X, you can put him on the, on the wing, Gugli up higher up on the wing in front of the cage. The kid can do everything and he can finish. And then his brother, Nick, uh, uh, LSM, very solid pole, four-star athlete, um, so North Carolina picking up those two dudes, that's that's pretty big news for them. Uh, all you UNC Tar Heel fans got to be excited. Once again, I always say as a Q's fan, I'm not. As a Q's fan, I was really hoping we nailed Petromala down as uh, we ended up landing Joey Spelina. And sometimes you see some of these big kids decide to go to the same school, but it makes sense. You got Nick and Dom and that they're both going to head to UNC. And it made sense that they separated their announcement also. I don't I don't begrudge them for that. You, you each want to get your moment here. So so the better of the two players got the announcement last at least. So he he you know created the most excitement overall as part of that decision making process. But either way, it's a uh, all good things for the ACC still, all good things for North Carolina. I'm a I'm a fan of Brescia. I'm a fan of their culture. The kicker for them is just they need to kind of put that together on the defensive side of the ball like they were able to offensively, and then they're scary. The reality here, and I had said in the last podcast that there was a chance that we could see all five ACC teams in the top 10, and I think we already have. I, I believe one of the preseason polls had four of the five ACC teams in the top 10, and I think one of them at 11. Uh, but it, it, it was possible, I think, that maybe one of the polls I saw or someone's too early preseason poll had all five ACC teams in the top 10 already. So that's the crazy part is that as we're sitting here and I'm going to go through and, and we'll do um, who will I do next? We'll probably do Virginia next, I think, is what we'll say. Um, and it's as we go through every one of these teams, is North Carolina a threat to win the national title? Yes. 
they I, I believe they have a shot. Uh, I believe they have a really a better shot at at least making the final four. And I think they're almost a, it's almost guaranteed they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I don't think I laid it out for Duke, but does Duke have a good shot at winning the national title? Yes, I already said they I think have the best shot of all the ACC teams at winning a title in terms of odds. If I had to set them uh, in terms of making the final four for Duke very good chance they make the final four. Uh, and obviously I think almost a 100% chance they make the tournament UNC I'd say 97% chance they make the tournament. There is a high chance that they're capable of making the final four and yes, they're capable of winning it all. So that's, I'm not going to make predictions or anything like that. As I go through and do these previews, I'm just going to tell you what I think this team's chance is of getting into the tournament getting into the final four and then winning it all. And North Carolina, they might not be ranked right up there as highly as I have Duke right now, but they're not too far behind them as, uh, as you're going to see with the rest of the ACC teams, I'm going to pretty much feel the same way. So that is it. As always like subscribe, hit the notification bell. We will be back next week. We'll talk about Virginia as time rolls on and we have more to talk about. We'll, we'll get back into making these a little bit longer and start creeping back up into the 30 minute uh, Mark, we're also talking about maybe doing some membership stuff where we'll uh, put the videos out and members via YouTube could you know get the videos a day early. But who knows? I always have grand plans and it's always hard to keep up with them because work is so busy. So that is it. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, watching. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching. And uh, Hoost is out. Thank <laughs> you.